Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Okay, let's, uh, yeah, let's check if we're live, guys. Um, let's have a little look. I'll see if we're getting any numbers as we're dropping in. Um, yeah, if you do drop in, guys, do... Say a little hello, a little holla, a little wave. A little Borda. Borda. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see who's on. Um, let's have a look. Let's wait um, a little bit. Okay, we got uh, Lord James. James, great to see you, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. Jane, Diane, Shona, Laura, Marky V. Marky V, I was going to, uh, typical yesterday, because uh, I'm going to Norway next week, I was uh, going to pick your brains. We kind of got it, most of it sorted, but um, maybe I'll call you maybe this afternoon if you're free um mona's on as well uh yeti just north of fanny street and slightly west of lovage close yeah um very accurate directions there um yeah you must have heard that on the grapevine that we're close to fanny street so yeah great are we uh on that map fanny street was here and uh lovage close was there and we were between the two I have no idea what you guys are talking about. This is an in, an in joke on the Tuesday tune-in that Sorry. I am not part. I will. Uh, I will lay these bag of snakes out straight. They are um, basically there was a map that was uh, bought. I think it was for Leah, and on there it had all the funny names of the UK place names. And uh, yeah, one of them was yeah. Fanny Street. Yeah, yeah. I That's see. not a rude term. That is an actual street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Back to the Tuesday tune-in. Dave, um, sorry, mate, I've been hogging the limelight. Um, yeah, how, how are you this morning? Um, yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You're um, you're in the yak. Yeah, you know. Um, I am. Just, uh, what, kick, kicking a bit of barrel there, was it, mate? <laughs> sorry, no, no, it was a chair. It was in the way I'm standing yeah. next to the live today. It's quite warm. It's quite cosy in here today. i got the little fire on. I'm in the, um, yeah, working from home this week because I'm actually getting married on Saturday. So I'm trying to be good and... Um, you know, obviously you don't want to get isolated before the wedding, otherwise that would be game over. So yeah, just trying yeah. to be good this week. Yeah, uh, as much Did you as get possible. married on Saturday. Apparently. Yeah, oh, I've been told right. just to turn up. So oh, you I'm know. going hiking. Weird. Okay. <laughs> well, it's quite apt actually. Uh, Marky V asks, and before anyone else asks, I think this should be a bingo now. How's the knee, Dave? Um, yeah, marvellous. Yeah, magical. Um, it's not <laughs> not as good as it could be, not as bad as it once was. Pretty much where I expect it to be. Yeah, you know, nothing remarkable yeah. about it. But no, I went. I can mountain bike. I can walk. Can't run, but that's a good thing. Don't ever intend to. But yeah, no, you know, not bad, not bad. You've been out cycling though, haven't you? So you've been, yeah, you've been yeah, putting some work in, right? Twelve miles mountain biking the other day. So um, you know, doing some downhill stuff. So it's slowly getting back. I just got to make sure I don't crash. If I crash, it's game over. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you know, well, what's the odds of that happening? Brilliant. Um, well, look, mate, good to see that the knee is on the mend. Um, yeah, you'll be back on, obviously, the, the trails as soon. I know we're hopefully going to Tupcal in January, right? So Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the knee's good for Tupcal. Um, yeah. Oh, some, some decent numbers coming in now. Yeah, great to see people on here as well. Leah, all the way from Australia, great to see you, mate. Uh, Lorna, Dave, Jerome, as well. Jerome, great to see you on here, mate. Paul uh, and Jan, uh, congratulations for Saturday. Cheers, yes. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian. Yeah, last one as a technical single man. I, I wouldn't tell Jen that. I've yeah, no. The I... Last five years, but <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah. <what> you mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, very excited. But right, anyway, let's let's get back to the the, the Tuesday tune-in, Dave. And I know this was something that you kind of brought up um, the other day, and, and we thought you know around age, wasn't it? And 
yeah we thought right let's talk about age Why not? well yeah well because we get asked quite a lot of questions um yeah. and it's becoming more and more frequent about people that want to bring a child to ebc or yeah. they want to go with their parent um so the question that pops up is you know how old is too old how young is too young is yeah. there an upper age limit is there a lower age limit to be able to get to something like everest base camp and you know is it possible to make you know the himalayas a bit of a family affair and yeah. it's one of those where there's not it's we always find it difficult to answer if i'm on the phone and i get asked a question can my 11 year old come to everest base camp well the question is it depends on the 11 year old so what we do we do is we yeah. discuss a little bit into what that depend word means and why maybe they could why maybe they couldn't i mean you know we've i've personally tracked the base camp with my dad who was in his 60s he'd probably be annoyed by that because i think he was 60. <laughs> you know in his 60s yeah, maybe just in, right? yeah. and uh, on that trip as well was a guy uh, 75 years old so yeah. um and i think the oldest person to summit everest was in his 80s I'll have to double check whether he made it down, but I know he was. Uh, I know the oldest person at summit was uh, was was quite old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we thought that's what we'll do. We'll do a bit of a deep dive into that topic today, and obviously we'll probably answer some questions at some point as well. <laughs> well, we've had we've had some come in. Uh, typically, um, yeah, you know, not about age, but some of them about age. But yeah, uh, it's quite interesting. Um, all the all the questions that come in as usual. But yeah, um, certainly with age, then I mean, where to start? I mean, Dave's. You, you probably give it a good little intro there because yeah you know we are we are we do get asked from time to time especially over the last week you know people thinking about booking in yeah um you know around competition time if being around the community you know that it's always always grows around uh, this sort of time um and yeah we've had a lot of questions like that you know like um you know about their teenage uh, daughter you know is, is she okay to come on uh, a trek to every space camp um you know and and so yeah we obviously address those um almost not, not objections wrong word but you know concerns almost because you know you, you want to be comfortable if you go into these places we don't want you turning up and kind of not knowing what's going on you know we want you to, yeah. to kind of be comfortable in that environment obviously it's a challenge it's adventure travel there's things that do pop up from time to time that's that's traveling isn't it um you know but if we can kind of allay those kind of fears or um you know offer you the opportunity and say look you know there's don't in, in let's take that barrier down let's see what we can do and you know have that conversation around like dave said there okay 11 year old but what type of 11 year old um is your son or daughter you know are they into hiking you know do you you the parents usually know best in terms of their their child then we can work together and, and find yeah. a way to make it happen like we've got um i think leah um who's who's had a bit of media attention but she's um i forgot how old is she is she 12 13 years old Dave? something like that yeah very young yeah and but she's like really i mean when i was 12 13 i certainly wasn't that into what I'm into now. I mean, I, I kind of found it, um, you know, in, in adulthood. But she's, you know, because of her folks, she's out all the time. She's probably, you know, fitter than most people on the trails, yeah. if I'm honest. And, you know, so that was a no-brainer in terms of, no, 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 let's, let's make this happen. And obviously on the flip side of that, you know, it's, it is one of those that you do get 11-year-olds who certainly probably couldn't make it. Yeah, you know, yeah. because they're just they, they haven't got maybe the mindset or the drive to do it. Would you agree there, Dave? Yeah, I think so as well. And I think it's one of those where so whenever I'm advising someone and, you know, we, we've picked on an 11 year old because it seems to be the yeah. popular, the popular age. Yeah. Um, any younger than that. And you've got a question whether they've got the, the kind of the physical ability. Some will, mm -hmm. some won't, but probably the majority won't have the yeah. physical ability to carry themselves at altitude for 11 days without, you know, causing themselves undue you know discomfort and then the other yeah. side of it is well there are risks that everyone 
accepts when they go to Everest Base Camp. So if you yeah. are taking an 11-year-old with you, you know, you need to understand that you are going to extreme altitude. You can get sick and you can get, yeah. you know, quite unwell and need an evacuation. And that can be quite scary for someone who's perhaps, you know, not as experienced in life as someone who is. Um, yeah. You know, like uh, someone who's like 50, seen it all, been there, done that, or get altitude sickness and chop it down and water off a duck's back. But for a, a young yeah. person, um, that could potentially be quite traumatic, you know, could be in a quite a scary situation, getting ill at the night in Gorek Shep and having to get a helicopter. So what we always say is be aware of that and then look at your yeah. own child and really think to yourself, well, you know, if you've taken them hiking with you all your life and they're used to being in the mountains, they've been freezing cold, they've been boiling, they've been wet, and they've been through the, you know, they've been through the, the mill a little bit with you, then I would say, yeah, there's probably no reason why they couldn't go with you. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I do always highlight is that you need to, uh, I always appreciate someone being of an age where they can appreciate that it is, can be a little bit dangerous and can be a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and I would say that we're talking about EBC specifically. I would really urge caution for someone at that age going to maybe Kilimanjaro or climbing a peak because summit night on Kilimanjaro is mm. no matter how fit you are takes it out of everybody it's really really tough to get up and down Kilimanjaro on summit night it can be done um, though right I mean you know yeah. like, um, you know there are and again it, it depends on the kid um you know and yeah but you're right Dave obviously it's a bit more of a that summit night is a beast yeah exactly no how old you are yeah like that's it and it says it's just uh I suppose, it's not that there's a, a definitive yes or no answer to any yeah. of these it's yeah. just there are levels to this you know mm. um ebc is a little bit more gradual it doesn't have the intensity all building up to one night um yeah. and you know and the, so there are levels <laughs> to this sort of stuff but you know i think the youngest person to summit everest might have been around 16 years old not a huge <laughs> amount older so it is it, you know like i said it does depend on the individual yeah. yeah yeah definitely and you know paul uh sorry paul's there um he says you know he's put the so we have a track got a minimum age limit and, and the question is no because we um you know if if someone is under 18 you, you have to be 18 to book on on your own um yeah. from a legal perspective you know just because you're, you know you're, uh, to be an adult although we we very rarely get sort of 18 year olds booking if i'm honest um yeah you know, no. obviously from that from that kind of age maybe obviously you're in uni or work or that kind of thing but yeah, if if you are going with uh, someone who's over eighteen, obviously is responsible for for someone, you know that the reason we don't, and I think this has evolved because in the beginning it used to be like, you know, because we'd we we when we set the business up five six years ago now, um, five and a bit years, we, we kind of looked at that and thought, okay, you know, because at the time it was um, obviously we were leaning on on experience, but over time we've realised you know there have been families out there. And we certainly don't want to put blockers in the way. So really what yeah. we're saying is just have a conversation around it. If, if you do want to bring your kids, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great thing. And imagine, you know, doing something like Everest Base Camp at that age. I mean, wow, that's mind-blowing, man. Imagine what you can achieve by doing that when you're, you know, you're in your teens. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, talk about Rachel. Um, Rachel, who was on TubeCal, Dave. Yeah, and she brought her son up there, and I think he was around 11, something like that. Yeah. I forget his exact age, but, you know, th this is why we don't say that there is a lower limit and why there's no upper limit. And we make a call on the individual, and we really, the onus is always on the adult that's accompanying the person. But at the end of the day, like, Rachel's son, you know, never really took on anything like Tupacal before, never been to Altitude before, mm. went there, did the summit, it wasn't easy, but came back down with a sense of, like, achievement and purpose now that he believes he can do anything in life yeah, and it's also 
it's combined you know quality time with the family a mm. challenge a sense of achievement and he's learned a lot more than i think you know people do when they go on a, a beach holiday which is just about yeah. relaxing and chilling on the beach which i'm not against i quite enjoy it but you know if you want a, a fulfilling trip then adventure travel certainly you know stamps yeah. that stamps that and i think that's why people more and more are coming equally yeah. as well we get asked about the upper age limit and we may actually get asked the upper age limit more because yeah we there, do, are, we? there yeah. are people out there they've worked all their life they've retired they shelved that sense of adventure well they fulfilled their responsibilities to their job their family themselves mm. their mortgage and when and then it gets to that point in life where they think to themselves, Do you know what? I'm not I'm not I'm not content with an allotment. I think I'm gonna go to Everest Base Camp or climb Killy, you know, can I still do it? And I think with the upper one, it's a little bit more cut and dry, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. If you believe you can and you know within yourself that you've got the stamina and the fitness to do it, then you, you can do it. The I trek to Everest Base Camp with uh, Dave, uh, chap Dave Balment, seventy five years old. Yeah, awesome. you know, seventy five awesome. years old. And what That's I fine. think yeah amazing and what i loved about going there with that guy is that you do tend to have some sort of you know knowledge with those years yeah. and he wasn't competitive he didn't care about how fast he got from a to b he was there for himself and to be part of a group but ultimately you were each and every one of us goes there for our own reasons and yeah. he just enjoyed the trip you know and he just trekked every day looked up at the sky looked at Everest, looked at all the other mountains and the, and just thought to himself, yeah, this is amazing. And he made EBC and back down again and had an awesome time. Yeah. The only difference is the insurance probably cost him a little bit more than it would cost yeah. you otherwise. And that's it. And that's, and, and Andy makes a good point there. Um, you know, and, and although, you know, from our perspective, obviously we, we don't put limits on, on the age. Um, I suppose it is, you know, because you do need uh, certain insurance to go to these places, you know, and um, if you've been on here the last sort of four or five weeks, you'll know that we did a, little one around insurance so definitely look at the tuesday tuning around that if you need info around insurance but yeah certainly obviously you need to have insurance to go on these trips you know it is compulsory yeah. um you know because if something happens obviously we've got to get you out of there and you know, obviously there's costs uh, related to that you know and that happens on a rare occasion guys very rare um but you know it needs to be in place so yeah it's certainly andy a good point there mate and you know if if you're thinking about going on a trek i mean i know a lot of the people on here being part of the community i know there's a few newbies uh new tuesday tuning newbies on here um you know do do have a look at the insurance and, and maybe get a quote uh, you know true traveler are great you know you've got campbell irvin um which are also really good you know if, if you're kind of you know mature level uh age you know 60s um you know into your 70s that there are options uh, with certain companies it's better to have a conversation with them sometimes um instead of just filling out their uh, the little quote system uh, on the web on the website because I think some of them are built a certain way that if it is over a certain age it might auto say I'll oh, give us a call for your quote or something like that you know um, you know we we've heard about things like that sometimes yeah. so yeah um, but again around the insurance obviously I know that's um, you know another live but yeah any questions around that do drop them in guys because that's what we're here for yeah um, I, Paul has made a good comment there as well yeah. something that I've heard so many times which yeah. is um, I'm a little bit older. I want to do these trips. Yeah. I'm worried I'll I'll hold up the youngsters, and it's very hard to kind of, for me to kind of like get rid of that fear because it seems like quite deeply ingrained in people. But yeah. I can't emphasize enough how much a it doesn't matter, <clears throat> and b it probably won't happen. You know, yeah. 
the group always stretches out like a caterpillar. People at the head tend to go a little bit faster than those at the tail. But we all come together at the same points during the day. We start at the same time and we end at the same time and we have our lunch at the same time. Yeah. And I honestly, it doesn't matter how fast or slow you're going. As long as you're enjoying yourself and you're, you're fulfilling the reasons that you went there. There will yeah. be people that are faster than every single trip I've ever gone on. There's people that have been way faster than me. Sometimes I'm not so slow. Sometimes I'm quite slow. It all depends on who's around me. But it doesn't matter. You know, you're there for you. There'll always be others in the group that are going at your pace. The guides yeah. never leave anyone on their own. So, you know, you just go there and you just enjoy yourself and you go there for your own reasons and enjoy the group dynamic and stuff like that. But don't worry about what anyone else is doing. You can go yeah. too fast. You can't go too slow. Exactly, Dave. Exactly. And you know what as well? I think... Uh, if they do rush, and you know, I've seen it, and, and I've been with people who are faster than me, and then the next day, they're at the back because yeah. they might have a headache, or they'll be obviously, you know, the guide might tell them, "Look, guys, you know, slow down. Let's, let's go at the back today." Um, but you know what? There's real advantage to being slow, um, you know, especially on on high altitude, uh, you know, on on these kind of treks that we do, um, you know, on on Killy. Like I remember we were going so so slow on Killy, it, it, my watch didn't track that we were actually physically moving. Uh, so because the moving time i thought we're moving two and a half hours even though it's taken us eight because we were going that slow it wasn't we're moving on the watch so yeah it's, it's crazy isn't it but yeah just reading some of the comments there and shona saying to paula was it um having walk we use seriously nothing to walk worry about paula so paula we need to strap some weights on you and slow you down there by the sound of it <laughs> um yeah. so yeah paula you, you you'll do just fine mate. you'll do just fine Andy's kind of got it in a nutshell there. He was on yeah. Killy. There was a guy hanging at the back. They all wondered yeah. if he was ill. Nah, he was just chilling, getting to know his guide and taking loads of photos. Awesome. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And there are levels to this stuff, you know, like yeah. when you go in to like, you know, there are some mountains that you can climb and you can you can go fast if you want. There, Pretty much any mountain in the UK, you can try and get up and down as quickly as you can. But yeah. you have to acknowledge the fact that you're going to altitude and the effect that altitude has on the body. That's why you're going there, really. Yeah. It's because of how high in the sky it is that makes it a challenge. And to ignore the altitude and to ignore the advice to go slow, gain altitude gradually, drink plenty of water, do all those things. Really what you're doing is you're rolling the dice you know you yeah. might make it you might not but you're not giving yourself the best chance of success on the mountain you know and that goes for yeah. any high altitude mountain you need to acknowledge that it, you are trekking at altitude but you know going back to the age thing hmm. i actually think the upper age limit i'm pretty certain as long as you're willing to pay the price there's a company that'll ensure you given the age of some of the people that have summited everest i'm pretty certain i should have done research on this but i'm pretty sure it was a japanese guy up in his 80s um you know who actually did that and the lower age limit again it carries a few more concerns because you know not every 11 year old is equal you know some yeah. of them are more athletic than others some of them have had more experience than others so it does come down to the individual and we always have a conversation but we never like to say no and put a, a stop on things because we want people to achieve amazing things yeah and um yeah it's what we're about exactly yeah, some great comments as well. Um, I think I'll, I'll bring in Sabrina here, her question. So we'll bring it up. Hopefully, uh, oh, it doesn't show all of it. But anyway, uh, do you have guides to set the pace for your group? We did when I trek Killy. Hopefully, you can see all that um, on the screen. But yeah, uh, it's a good point, Sabrina. I know we, we talked about pace then, so I thought this was quite apt. Yeah, so I know we're talking about you controlling the pace. And, you know, we always say, you know, you're, you're all adults. You're all there to, you know, you, you all have personal responsibility for yourselves. 
but yes, hundred percent. So on all of our trips, um, you know, whether that's Nepal, Tanzania, you know, Morocco, anywhere in South America that we do, uh, they're all guided. So none of them are self-guided. So all of us have, have very experienced guides. Um, you know, obviously on, on some of the peaks that we climb, like Aconcagua, you've got international mountain guides. Yeah. When you're in the Pormal, you've got trekking guides. If you're climbing Island Peak, you'll have a mountain guide as well as a trekking guide. So there's, there's always guides there as well as assistant guides and as well as porters. Because especially in Nepal, if we're obviously when when, I, when you trek Kili, in Nepal, um, the kind of there's almost like an ecosystem with the the, the guides or, or, or almost how they get involved in it. So normally, all you know, all the people that live in the Sherpa villages, they usually become a porter, you know, when they're a teenager or when they become an adult, and then you know they they, they develop their language skills. Um, then they they train to be an assistant guide over the years, and if they're really good, then assistant guide they become a guide and, and and all of our guides sort of followed that similar process um you know over the years and you know some of our guides are massively experienced i mean geez you know some of them have climbed everest you know have the peaks like manaslu amadablam choyoyu um you know some of them have even guided outside in nepal you know because they're they're really good guides and are in demand so yeah you're, you're in good hands and they will control the pace um and they will tell you off if you're going too fast as well um yeah. they're looking after you at the end of the day they're, you know they, they want you to have a good time and yeah if you're going too fast they will uh yeah they'll put you at the back yeah. um so i hope that answers your question mate exactly nice dave nice yeah we've got a, got a, a few good questions here I, leah you need a dilly gaff attitude and i had to google what that meant dave do you know what it is i do Nice. Did you Google it? Or did you know? Uh, no, I know that one. No, no, ah. I don't. See, I'm not, I'm, look, not, I'm not in with this stuff. No. Yeah, does it look like I give a faff? Is what <laughs> it means. <right? laughs> yeah. Did you wonder where it was going then? I think that's what it means. Yeah. No, no, I, yeah. I actually know someone that has it tattooed on his knuckles. Weird. Wow. Um, yeah, when I asked him uh, why he had it done, he said Dilly Gaff. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, it is awesome. Um, Dave Rimmington, he's just uh, saw one pop yeah. up thinking of taking the nipper down to the altitude center for a free 30 minute induction. Do you reckon it'll give enough knowledge to dispel fears of altitude sickness? I honestly believe that knowledge does dispel fear. Um, I think that, you know, that it will definitely help. And yeah. they'll give you basically a knowledge of how altitude affects the body, how your body reacts to altitude. So when you do go there and you start to know those things and feel those things happening, you know why it's happening yeah. um, and it's nothing to be afraid of. One of the things about altitude is turning into a bit of an altitude one. This is I know. Well, well, <laughs> there it is. One of the so things, good. yeah, we follow the path of least resistance with these types, <laughs> but um, altitude seems to be the topic. But yeah, when you are at altitude, um, the very first time I ever went there, the, I was, you know, to my guide because I wasn't anxious, but I was interested. So I was like, I'm feeling this. Is that altitude? I'm feeling this. Is that because of the yeah. altitude? And he said to me, Dave, everyone that comes to altitude starts monitoring every single tiny function in their body, you know, and wondering if it's altitude related. The best yeah. thing you can do is not be anxious about it. And the best way for me not to be anxious about it was to understand what was happening. So, yeah, I actually think it would be a great idea to get down there and see those guys and sample it itself although you know be yeah. warned that um if you are going to go on the bike with the airbags that there will be someone with a camera um and many many funny gifts and pictures made of you so just be warned exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so some, yeah, i know it may you, you mentioned about altitude there i mean yeah you know at the end of the day this is where we're operating this is the the area that we we choose to be in right and yeah we can't wait i mean it's been a great week as well whilst we're talk about altitude we had our first island peak summit um yep. in over over two years obviously with covid and, and everything else 
um, which was amazing. I mean, the views out there are amazing. I mean, oh, God, man, I wish I was out there. It's yeah. in, in, in Nepal. Uh, it looks fantastic. We had um, our first people get to Everest Base Camp in the last week. Over the three passes as well. Um, another three group. passes, yeah, into uh, Gokyuri. So they went over um, Renjula, Chola, and Kongmela. So that's the three high passes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Everest region has um, certainly been ever trekkerified over the last week or so. It's been good to to get our our ever trekkers over there. And yeah, it's just yeah. it's just great to share that with you guys because I know especially some of you have been part of the community now for uh, quite a few years and. Um, yeah, and I know some of you have booked obviously quite a number of years in advance, and had to move your trips. And you know, yeah. you're, you're still looking forward to it, guys. And you know, it's not long now. I know we got a big, big year ahead uh, next year. Um, I mean, I can't believe you know we're almost into December already now in 2021. But yeah, 2022 yeah. is going to be awesome. Wow. That is amazing. Right, it's like it's crazy. I mean, I would go out there now. Yeah. Honestly, strap up the knee, get out there, have an awesome time. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. But um, fine. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say, do you want to dive into some of the questions we've had sent? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, just a reminder before we do this, though, just um, do comment with some questions if you've got any yourself. Um, if you're thinking about booking a trip or maybe, I mean, there's some questions there about rescheduling. Obviously, you know, with, with COVID and everything, um, anything at all, uh, drop in the comments if it's around age. I mean, um, I can see some coming already, so we'll, we'll answer those. We had some coming before the live. So yeah, um, do drop them in, guys, and we can. Uh, me and Dave can can tackle them for you. Um, where do you want to start, Dave? Uh, Robert has asked, "What footwear yeah. do you recommend?" Um, okay. Uh, sliders, Adidas sliders. Never leave home without them. But um, if you're talking about boots and trekking, yeah. I do you know what it's like. I always try to avoid saying it now because I know they're Say waiting. Hard, Say what? They're waiting. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it, it all depends on uh, what boots work for you, Robert. I recommend get out to a few stores, try a few pairs on. Yeah. and figure out which ones sort of fit you. Um, by fit, we don't just mean whether you're a size 11, getting a size 11. We mean yeah. how they feel around the feet, the ankles, the arch, the laces, the height, everything like that. I personally use a pair of boots called the Mandel Boutans. Um, it took me a little while to work my way down to those. Yeah. Um, and I've tried a lot of boots in the middle. They're a brown leather boot, um, my first brown leather boot that I bought, um, and it turned out to be perfect. But before then, I've tried a lot of North Face, Scarpa, salomons um you know stuff like that so yeah i would say the best way to find out what works for you is just to get out into a few shops get a fitting done try a few pairs on and then take a punt and buy a pair and hopefully they work yeah nice nice dave yeah and there's a few options there marky v's put in uh, you know the salomon gtx fours yeah really good i know someone um, was asking about them um i'm not using myself but i know a lot of trekkers who have yeah. Um, I'm with Dave. I've got Mandels. Um, I've also used the North Face, North Face Hedgehog GTX. Very good. Um, you know, but like Dave said, get, get yourself down to now we can get into, into stores and things. I mean, you know, I, I'm an online person. I do like purchasing online. I tend to know my size and what the fit. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a risky, <laughs> risky buyer. I'll buy one and go, OK, they'll work. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, I'll get an insole and then fine. That's what helps. But there are some uh, obviously, we you know, we're all different. Um, you know and, and get what works for you and it's difficult because you want to get one and go out and try them but obviously if you do that then you've got to keep them right so it's like yeah you end up like me you'll have to get a lockup just to store your <laughs> um yeah um, brilliant yeah it's amazing diane's actually asked a good question which is about yeah. age so we may as well jump in and get it yeah, um yeah. uh is there um 
is there thought to be any correlation between age and altitude sickness? One study suggests it'll be worse the older you get, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. I would, I'm not sure of the study you're talking about. I think mm. in my experience, and uh, I would say no. Um, I would say altitude affects everybody in the same way and different ways. I've not known any correlation between being older and getting more severe AMS. Um, I actually think a lot of the older guys and girls that we've had on the trips, generally because of their, they're going slower, they tend to follow the rules, they're not as competitive, um, they tend to have wiser shoulders, wiser head on their shoulders, so they um, they tend to... Wiser shoulders, Dave, <laughs> Wiser shoulders, yeah. What do you think, Gam? Would you agree with that? Have you noticed 100%, 100%. I mean, I've seen a few different scientific studies. I think there was one a couple of years ago, actually, and someone was basically saying that they were doing a test on people um uh basically a test on people to see if there was any correlation between the type of physiological makeup of your body and if you got uh susceptible to altitude sickness so yeah. essentially they were testing people and saying look if there is there certain like there's there's what they call a vo2 max which is around you know how your your body transfers oxygen around the body and is there a correlation if that's lower than most is it will you be more susceptible to altitude sickness the only issue i had with that study is that they didn't know how people were hydrated at the point of that test. So we know from experience or altitude that the number one thing, if you've got AMS, um, you know, unless you've got an underlying health condition or you get unlucky, is hydration, you know, 99 times out of 100. If you've got AMS or anything like that, it's, it's hydration. And there, and, and I asked them this, and I, I sent them an email, actually, because this was, a, it was a, I think it was um, Glasgow University were doing a, uh, you know, a, a test on this. And I was like, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, are you taking into account hydration levels? Because if they're not hydrated, then you're not able to test how they deal with altitude if you put them into a chamber, which is what they did. Um, so I was a bit skeptical about that. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're open to any scientific study. And, you know, I, the ones I've seen, are uh, there's there's no correlation with age like uh, and, and altitude. I'd say, like Dave said, that the things there that would go in your favor if you are slightly older is that, yeah, you go slower, you know, you are wiser, you're, you're probably a bit more of a battler than, than than the younger people, if I'm honest. You know, we, we do get, I think, you know, I don't want to say people are soft and people are hard, you know, we don't want to, sort of, you know, sort of pigeonhole anyone. But, you know, for some reason, yeah, the, the certain age group are more resilient with things yeah. thumps in the road. I think that's just life experience maybe i don't know but yeah there's no i would say there's no scientific study that i've seen that has a correlation between age and getting altitude sickness yeah also i think the most successful people on the eight thousanders are uh, in their 40s and 50s exactly you know? yeah, yeah. so um i would say that uh yeah that, that that's definitely going to be a benefit to you as you get older um yeah. right and should we crack on what do you, what do you reckon's next yeah yeah good question I like, I like i like ones like that um let's have a little look yeah sure mate yeah what have you uh have you got any okay yeah so louise brown um she's yeah. like hello team hello louise is it advisable to get to Kathmandu the day before the tour starts um in case of con connection issues and if so can you recommend an area to stay uh is it possible to tag a day onto the accommodation that's included as part of the trip. So Louise, it is recommended that you have at least one extra day. Personally, I think that day is most valuable at the end of the trip rather than the beginning. You, yeah. What I tend to do is have a day at the beginning and two at the end, but not everyone has that free time. So I would say if you only have yeah. one extra day and you're wondering where to put it, put it at the end of the trip. Um, the reason being is there's very 
few problems that arise on the way in in your international flight. Um, you arrive on day one, that's your arrival day. Day two then is your day tour and trip prep. And then day three, you actually fly to Lukla and start trekking. Now, so you've got a little bit of like leeway anyway. The worst case scenario, you might miss like the day tour if it's like extremely delayed. But when you fly to Lukla, there's always a chance that there might be a delay with the Lukla flight. And if there is a delay on the Lukla flight, you might miss your flight home. And that's a bigger issue than arriving a little bit late. So I would have it at the end. But if you're asking for my perfect scenario advice, have a day at the beginning and one or two at the end. That way, nice, easy. You just got a whole day to chill. Then the next day you're going to chill. And then the next day you're going to start the day tour and you're already going to be like a, an experienced Kathmandu yeah. person. Um, yeah, with regards exactly. to, yeah, with regards to where you can stay, all you need to do is let us know where, when you arrive and when you leave. And we'll make sure that you've got accommodation in our hotel for that time. It's an awesome hotel yeah. called Aloft um right in the heart of uh tamil which is the trekking yeah. mecca of Kathmandu. um so you're right there in the middle of the action in a lovely five-star awesome brand new hotel so um yeah you don't have to worry about where to go where to make reservations and stuff like that you just gotta let us know when you're arriving and when you're leaving yeah and aloft is um it's been really good actually because we had our first um well second ever pair of avatrekkers i should say because we had some during um when we got some customers stuck there uh, when lockdown happened in March last year, you know, when it all uh, locked down and the Paul shut the borders and the UK, etc. And we had some people stay in a loft. Um, so because of their um, hospitality and, and how great they were opening up the hotel and, you know, looking after our Evertrekkers, um, uh, you know, we, we've got a good relationship with them. So we decided to continue that onwards. So, and um, you know, we've had really good feedback about a loft um, from the Evertrekkers that have been over this autumn. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're, yeah, it's, it's a great place. And yeah, as Dave said there, um, any anything outside of the itinerary obviously is covered, you know, because they are additional nights. Obviously, they're chargeable. So if you are thinking of, um, you know, having additional nights, and you know, there's a cost attributed to to that. Um, but uh, you know, it's yeah, just just once you upload your flight details, we can kind of see, okay, right, you got a day before and two days after, or three days after. You know, we can um, we can accommodate that 100. percent Yeah. Um, we can get it. Uh, we can get that sorted. Um, yeah, Dave, it's quite good, actually. I've seen someone ask around um, gloves. I know we've talked, sorry, going, going completely off the radar now to a completely different one. And we did do actually a live all about gloves many moons ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't we? Which was a bit mad. We were like, what did we talk about? And I was like, gloves. Um, but Vu Walker, hi, guys. Any glove recommendations? My hands die in cold at sea level, never mind Island Peak. Um, yeah, a good question. Um, you know, there's there's so many different glove options. And you know, we, we have seen people with um, like Raynard's disease, you know, people who are susceptible to, to cold extremities like hands and, and obviously their feet. Um, there are a lot of different options. I'd say the best ones I've seen, I mean, Black Diamond tend to do a really good range of um, basically ski gloves, uh, which, are, which are basically, the, you know, they're really good at, uh, you know, not, not getting wet because they used to be in round snow. And they've got like down in the glove itself. So they're, they're, they're insulated. Like, I've got a pair of Black Diamond um, insulated gloves. Um, I was just researching the name of them then, but then I got a pop-up saying, hey, it's Black Friday. All these Black Friday deals, you know? Um, yeah, and these ones are called, I think they're, yeah, the Black Diamond Guide Gloves. Um, they seem to be weird. They're pricey, you know, around about 80 to 100 pounds. <clears throat> but they're good, and they've got good grips as well. So if you're having ice axe, maybe you're changing, uh, unclipping your Juma, um, uh, you know, your um, uh, carabiner, you know, on ropes, things like that. Or even if you've got trekking poles, you've got a good grip on them. So, yeah, they're really good. I have used them before. 
I've also got mittens, so if it gets really cold, you know, they're not the best for handling anything. But if it gets really, really cold, you've got, you know, um, you're insulated. Yeah, exactly. yeah. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot out there. Black Diamond, I think. Um, Spider do really good ones. That Spider with a Y, um, S P Y D E R. They do really good. Um, there's so many different. I mean, um, Rab do some really good ones now as well, don't they, Dave? And Montaigne. Yeah. So really I like the um, the Prima Loft ones. They're like little mm -hmm. down jackets for your hands. They pack up really small, but the amount of warmth they provide for their weight and size is is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, generally, when I'm the weather changes all the time and so your hands might go through levels of cold so sometimes you just might need a little liner on just to take the edge off sometimes you might want a thicker more insulated like prima loft type glove yeah. and then other times you just want something that's just going to like warm your hands up mark beecroft has mentioned there those mitts those old style da uh, dash stein mitts um oh, I've, actually, yeah. I've actually got a pair they're great they look like something you'd expect to see a polar explore wearing in a black and white pair <laughs> um but they yes. are but yeah, really good recommendation from Mark. Yeah. Yeah, he's a man that's spent a lot of time in the mountains, and I've got a pair myself. And they really help, I think, when you just sat down and you're having a, yeah. something to eat or something, and it's like really cold. You just put those on, and it just keeps your hands nice and warm. Um, and that, yeah, they're really great. You can't go wrong. Uh, Marky, yeah, Marky B as well. He's, um, do you remember, Dave? We were up in the Lake District, and we were in a pub called the Wainwright, which is in Keswick. And we're watching, I was seeing this guy kind of uh, ski down this, one of the fells, and it was filmed. And then at the bottom then it said Mark Beecroft. And I was like, I don't think there's too many Mark Beecrofts around. Should we, yeah. that must be Mark. And yeah, Mark, if Mark knows a thing or two about cold, he's the man. Yeah, well, because, it was funny, uh, that, wasn't it? Awesome yeah. Having a bit, and I think it was all like GoPro footage of him like climbing all these like snow-covered peaks and stuff. Yeah, it's really, you, you, you can't go about. anywhere. You, <laughs> ever trekkers are everywhere. But yeah, no, it's pretty cool in old, old Sol Pub. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, Gary Dock has arrived. Any ideas for the approximate yeah. insurance cost for the helicopter evacuation? So cost of the insurance or cost of the helicopter i'll cover both insurance yeah, yeah. varies it generally goes up it's age age loaded so 30 40 50 60 70 you're going to have an increase um an example so i was last time i went to ebc how old am i now 38 so i was 36 and yeah. i think i paid about 140 quid something like that um for my insurance um and the the cost of the helicopter varies wildly. I mean, yeah. if you're going from high, so if you're getting a picked up from Gorekshep and you're going all the way to Kathmandu, wow, that could be $5,000, maybe more. Um, what we try and do is, because we've got a really good relationship with one of the helicopter firms, so we don't have to kind of pitch for one to come and get us. We've got yeah. direct contact with, um, with the airline, with the pilot, so we don't generally have to struggle to get them um and we get the best deal and we can often or often arrange it so you share it with some other people and that way then the cost comes down and stuff like that but um the cost for the the actual helicopter varies but the insurance is not too bad generally yeah. you know it starts off it's over uh, between 100 and 200 is what you can expect to pay and then it goes up from there depending on your age and yeah. what sort of conditions you might have um, yeah and yeah. um just to add with the helicopters as well it's it's always one of those where, um, obviously, the, the, if, if you're evacuated, um, like I said, and usually that's from higher up, because as you come down, you generally have more oxygen, you, the altitude issues tend to dissipate. But if you're at, say, um, you know, Gorekshep or even at Fariche, which is slightly lower down, um, which we, we, we have done evacuations for, maybe even Dingboche, we've done some in the past, yeah. uh, 4,400 metres. You know, because that's quite far up, what they do is that you've got to get you back to Kathmandu if you're really ill. 
is they take you all the way back down to Lukla, and then from there, then it's all the way to Kathmandu, and then if you're really bad, then into the hospital. I mean, we're talking very rare occasions now. Yeah. But the thing is, you, one thing you've got to be prepared for is that um, any insurance policy will have an excess if you've got um, if you've got to get evacuated. And you know, when we were talking, um, I think it was with Tim, was it a few weeks, uh, probably about five, six weeks ago, who was from um, uh, True Traveller Insurance. Yeah, definitely check out that insurance. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday tune in, by the way. Um, you know, it's actually quite funny that he, the reason it was brought in is to stop the scammers because uh, they were historically there's been quite a few scams over in the pool. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and obviously guys would get kicked back from putting people onto helicopters. So they write, okay, um, you know, to stop that from happening, they put an excess in, which has slowly slowed it down a bit. Um, you know, but yeah, so that's why there's excess, and some of them vary. Some of them, I think the cheapest we've seen is like 400. True travelers, 750. I think some of them are 1500 pounds. Yeah. So do, you know, uh, you know, see that. And if you, we won't say, right, you've got to pay that before you get on the chopper. We usually sort that out afterwards. But just be prepared that there's some excess if you've got to get evacuated. Yep. Awesome. Nice. All right, Dave. Yeah. Um, right, we got, we, we, we've, have we answered everyone that emailed in, Dave? I'm, I think um, so. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. we've got them all. Um, nice. I believe, I believe, yeah, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Because we, the next one, Dane, is Bri Bri. Um, commenting on your um, last tune in as a single Yeti. <laughs> Here's Brian. Yeah. yeah, good man, good man. Um, yeah. So I'm just reading Mona's. Um, I have a mental age of three and a physical age of eighty. Can I go back to EBC? Mona, you know the answers to that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, just going through now. I think Sabrina's put a, a couple of different questions in. I know we talked about guide setting the pace. Um, then you asked about minimum age. Do go back to the beginning if you missed the beginning, Sabrina. Yeah, we talked about it. we don't really have a minimum age because, um, you know, with regards to it, because, again, we're talking about age here, especially from the beginning. Have a look what we said at the beginning of the live. So once this finishes, you'll be able to rewind it. and It's nice and easy then. But just to kind of close that down, there's not minimum age. We usually have a chat about the person you want to bring. Yeah. Um, if they're under 18, then obviously they do need a company by an adult, but we can have a chat. Um, yeah, about that. Yep, awesome. Um, so another question, Leah, yep. Dave, why, uh, why aren't you wearing a knee brace while riding? Uh, <laughs> I, I do. Um, I can't. I, I can't ride with my big metal thing. You know, it's just too too uncomfortable. But I do have a brace on and knee pads, yeah. so it's pretty well. It's pretty well held together. Um, yeah. So another one, Paul Bringden yep. says, "Ever good for a minimum age?" Again, no. But have a look at the beginning. Um, and then we got another question here. So we're off of scrolling down. No, 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 no. Uh, Vu Walker. Hi, guys. Any glove recommendations as my hands die in the cold? See all the conversation we've just did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, going on another great tangent. I need a new day pack. Any tips or recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. That's from Jan. Awesome. A new question. Jan, um, I think you can't go wrong with an Osprey Talon. That tends to be the gold standard. It's certainly the most seen and used bag that I've seen out on the hills everywhere around the world. Yeah. So if you're talking at a day pack for something like EBC or Killy, um, around 30 litres would be great. Um, but then you can move around from there and try different brands and, you know, 25 litres. I certainly wouldn't go much more than sort of 40 because the bigger the bag, the more you tend to carry and the heavier it gets. Yeah. Um, so my bags tend to be around 25 to 30 litres just for a day pack, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm going to EBC or Killy, you don't generally don't need to carry that much yourself, just water, hat, gloves, spare jacket type thing, yeah. some snacks. 
Um, but if I'm going up into Brecon and um, or Scotland and I'm going to be out for a long time on my own, I might use my bigger bag, like a 35 to 40 litre, because I've got to have more backup in there, like a flask, hot drinks, maybe even like a bivy or something like that, just in case. So, But yeah, to answer your question, start off with an Osprey Talon 30 litre and then check out different brands that are equivalent to that. Nice. Um, yeah, Sabrina's asked around Machu Picchu, actually. This is a good question. Just around the temperature. Um, obviously, I know you're asking about the D-Packs as well. But yeah, just going back, um, where is your question? I'm just trying to look at it. Yeah, I think it was around what temperature um, or how cold does Trek in Machu Picchu get? So I think with, with, with Machu Picchu, it rarely drops below 10 degrees. It can do, um, you know, in some of the, the, the kind of southern hemisphere winter months. Um, you know, but when you're going over some of the high passes, so with our Machu Picchu Trek, it's um, it's kind of, a, I say brand new, it's been a couple of years in the making now. We, we can't wait to run a trip on there. Um, we caught up with with Juan Carlos, who, who runs our operation yeah. down in, in South America. We caught him in London a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about it um, on the Tomakea route, which is very remote. Um, it's very quiet, uh, but you do go over a high pass called Tocto Pass, which is um, just below 4,900 meters. And then you drop down to Machu Picchu then. Um, yeah, so it does get colder um, when you're going over Tocto Pass. You imagine, you know, you're probably almost uh, 1,500, uh, 1,800 meters above where you are with Machu Picchu. So, you know, it could touch the, the zero degrees there. Um, so, yeah, bring a pair of gloves for that. Um, you don't need, like, you know, if you're climbing Island Peak and you're talking about minus 15, like, it won't get to that. But, you know, do be prepared with some gloves. And, you know, we do have equipment lists um, that you can you can obviously download uh, in terms of trekking for these places. So, yeah, um, Sabrina, do let us know if, if you're thinking about jumping on one of those and we can advise um, on that. Awesome. Uh, go for it, Dave. Um, yeah, so yeah. let's have a quick look now. Um, Deb Badgeria said, I'm planning yeah. on borrowing an Evertrek sleeping bag for EBC. Mm -hmm. Is this a good idea to purchase a liner? If so, what sort? Will it be a mummy style bag? Thanks. Yes, it will be a mummy style bag. Um, highly recommend you get a liner. The bags are not brand new. They're as clean as we can possibly get them, but they're not, yeah. you know, fresh out the but they're not box fresh. So um, they're designed to keep you warm and keep you alive. What I personally recommend is <laughs> get a liner. It only ever adds to the strength of the sleeping bag by keeping you a bit warmer, but it also means that the thing you're actually sleeping in that's it is brand new and clean and fresh and smells lovely. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I would honestly recommend. Um, yeah, and they are mummy bags. I think I said that at the beginning. Um, nice. Dave, Dave Rimmington, what type of plug do you need, and is there power access sockets in the rooms to recharge stuff? So, have good I, question. Have a, I'm gonna have a quick look. Uh, I don't. See if you've got, don't one, think, got one there, Dave. Yeah, I usually do have one, but I don't think I do. Um, I wouldn't worry about getting a, a plug before you actually arrive there. In every single shop in Kathmandu, there are these tiny little grey adapters where a UK plug can yeah. go in, and then you and they're like twenty pence if that. So. Yeah. They're everywhere in Kathmandu. You can't miss them. Um, quite often as well, a, U a UK plug will just go straight into the wall as well. They have multiple sockets in a lot of the um, in a lot of the lodges. Um, what I also recommend as well is bringing a power bank as well. So I'm at a stage now where I pretty much just rely on my power banks. Um, when I'm trekking and in the lodges, I'll just use those. Occasionally, I will have power, but actually more than sort of charge my phone or whatever or my camera, I'll probably just charge my power bank. Um, but yeah, with regards to the adapter, it's just a two-prong adapter, very simple thing, and you can get them everywhere in Kathmandu. In fact, the first one ever Andy gave to me before I left for Kathmandu. Okay. The day before I left, you gave me a little 
present, which was the one that you brought back with you. Now I've got about 50 of them. I'm convinced one's in my drawer there, but I just can't be bothered to dig well, through. Well, now you power, pretty much power Nepal, right, when you go over there? That's yeah, yeah, there. pretty much power Nepal, yeah, with my power banks, yeah. I mean, Tesla, you don't have a contract with you, you've got that many batteries. There. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, I pretty much bring all of my electricity from home, <laughs> you know, and um, but it helps because there are people on every single trek that I go on, they need to lend a power bank, their phones died, they want to make a call, they want to charge yeah. their camera, they want to do this, that, the other. And as I'm <laughs> nine times out of 10, always out there with you know some customers and stuff, it's nice to have that backup. Um, yeah. So yeah, I recommend bring a power bank or two and that and that will cover you. But if not, you can usually charge in the lodges. Most of them don't have power in the rooms, although some yeah. do. Um, a lot of them, you actually have to go into the main um, you know, eat in, sit in area, and you can pay, and then they'll yeah. charge your phone for you behind the counter. Exactly. Um, Paul Evans uh, asked a couple of good questions, actually. Paul, how's it going, mate? Um, hey guys, on the EBC trek, uh, can we leave a bad case of the hotel uh, for clothing? Uh, Friday was not going on the trek. Um, and then you asked another question as well about toilets. We'll come back to that now. But yeah, with um, so with uh, yeah, when you when you arrive in Nepal and you go to like hotel aloft, so you have a briefing. What you do then in the pool, you actually get a, a bag, um, a duffel bag uh, from us. So you can use that for the trek. So whatever you bring over there, whether it be a suitcase or your own duffel bag, uh, you can store that securely at the hotel with some clean clothes. You know, maybe you bought some souvenirs around Kathmandu. You know, you don't want to be carrying them, um, you know, all the way up the trek. Right. So, yeah, you can leave all that stuff at the hotel, mate, ready for your return. Um, and then you mentioned uh, about toilets uh, in the tea houses. I mean, yeah, they're asking for a friend. Um, yeah, they're colourful. Some of them are colourful. Some of them are sit-downs. As you get higher, they get more basic and the smell gets worse. So, yeah, do be prepared that toilets are very interesting and you will be talking about it when you come back. Yeah. <laughs> when you agree, Dave? Yeah, yeah, it's nothing to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> but, then, but then you're not going there to use an amazing... You're not going there to create memories of all these amazing toilets you've used you go in there to see everest and do this amazing thing so the toilets are simply something that they're, they're part of the challenge that you have to get through in order to do it um i can see there's a bit of a battle brewing in the comments about day day pack rain cover or dry sacks personally i always have nine times out of ten i've said nine times out of ten a lot today 99 times out of 100 a, a backpack will have a, a, a rain cover built in anyway um i'd always rather use one of them and keep the whole bag dry if i can um yeah. there's nothing worse than having a soaking wet bag even if everything inside of it is dry but if i do have something in there that's particularly precious to me that's susceptible yeah. to get wet i might put it in just a little ziploc bag or something like that the dry sacks that i have tend to live in my duffel bag um yeah. and that's where i'll just keep my clean and my dirty clothes separated and things like that um so that yeah. has to be the way that i do it but honestly i've never particularly yeah. stressed over the topic i just like mm. keeping everything dry i don't like anything to get wet so i like all my bag to be wet i like everything mm. inside there sorry i like my bag to be dry everything inside to be dry same for my duffel bag so use the rain cover and if you have anything particularly precious then just zip lock it something like that yeah and i think it also as well like um you know i can see why uh, some people prefer dry bags i mean i've always used dry bags and the other and waterproof covers i think it just depends on where you're going like if you're spending a lot of time in windy conditions um you know like if you're up in scotland a lot maybe you're in the cairngorms for instance and it can be windy on top of the plateau um you know then then it's a bit of a nightmare isn't it, it must be really annoying if your bags if the waterproof cover is kind of you know shaking all the time I mean, i've certainly had that and i'm like geez man i'd rather get wet <laughs> you know and uh, so yeah with day bags become more useful and i think yeah it's just personal preference isn't it and yeah you know i've seen bags out there that uh, day pack, sorry, that are actual dry bags 
So they're actually you don't need a waterproof cover. They're already waterproof out of the bag. I, I don't know off the top of my head the um, the the kind of model uh, the make a model of them, but I've seen them. I've seen people use them. Oh, is um, the rucksacks like Autolibs or something like that? They call Yeah, so they're, they're fully. They're heavy. Uh, pretty, they are heavy. I, they're kind of similar to the dry bags I used to use when I uh, scuba diving. So I, I'd have one on the boat all the time, obviously just in case it falls in the water. You know, it still floats. You've yeah. got your valuables in there, and they, they pretty much they design bags that now you know obviously you can you can carry with you. Um, but yeah, it's just personal preference, guys. I think if you're out there in really challenging conditions and you know you don't want to be annoyed by a waterproof cover then use dry bags if you're if you're walking through hills and you know it's not massively challenging conditions probably and then you, you do get a downpour then just chuck on a cover that might be ready for you so yeah i, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer there i think it's uh, whatever is uh yeah personal preference as they've said yeah. awesome. definitely definitely um, um tracy swift has said what size yeah. duffel bag do i need to buy for killy so yeah. you do have the option of renting one they're about 80 to 100 liters i'd say about start with about 100 liter duffel bag either way you've got a 15 kilo uh, limit of stuff you can put in it um so you don't want something that's massively big with loads of empty space in there um although i did bring like 130 liter but that's because it's the only bag that i've got um actually that's a lot i've got three but that's the only bag that i use um but i'd say about 100 liter duffel bag is pretty much all you require um and then yeah you can go from there you can afford to go as low as 80 and you can afford to go a bit more as well but i would say about 100 yeah. liter duffel bag is about is about right yeah exactly exactly sean has talked about uh, charging points there yeah it's good it's um yeah uh, whenever you get a charging point yeah make the use of it um as, as we said there it's you know especially in namche so if you're on the way up to everest base camp namche is one of the only best um charging points that you can get yeah. Um, and it always changes. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes they'll say, oh, no, no, it's chargeable now because it costs them money because it depends on weather. Sometimes quite a lot of these places are solar charged. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, if it costs them money, they might charge you from time to time. Sometimes it's free. Sometimes you might get lucky and have a room that has a little plug. And then everyone will be coming over and saying, can I use the electricity? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that the, good, the good thing is quite often on your door, um, there is like a little latch that you can slide over um and lock and then if you put the noise cancelling headphones on you'll never know that they're there uh, <laughs> Jay has said uh dave you could open up a shop with all the kit yeah but that's because i'm a degenerate i've got like i like i i buy things because i can after yeah. time and not because i need them but uh actually the duffel bag that i've got is the north face base camp duffel bag um and it's yeah. brilliant it's the best bag i've ever had it's still going strong years of use and abuse um, and it's bright yellow, which I thought would be great for landing at the airport because I'd be able to spot it, not realizing yeah. that, you know, for places like Kathmandu, it's a very popular duffel bag. So every North Face duffel bag is bright yellow. So the chances of someone picking up mine now has increased. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, That's why you never trek one, Dave. Yeah, yeah, well. Up. That is true, yeah, yeah. But I think I've written Evertrek on the side of it, so that does it technically games. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, um, what we are, that means, wow, it's cut almost an hour already. This is crazy. Flown by today, flown by. I hope, um, you know, it's been really useful today. Um, yeah, a couple of questions to, to kind of finish off. Uh, we will have a, is there a Tuesday tune in next week? Yeah, David. I know you're, you're, you're flying solo next week, aren't you? Flying solo, yeah, unless I can grab one of these, um, one of my yet yetis to join me, yeah, you know. Thanks. Yeah, there's look, you've got Alison here. Look, she stands up like a crazy person. Stands up <laughs> desk, you know, so she might join us. She's, and then wow. uh, into the yeah, dancing there. Nice that is brilliant, yeah. And then there's this one here, but if she's 
on the there who's on the comment Look, you can almost see a screen there's like loads of comments there so yeah see, are, you listening? are you listening to the live lauren in those headphones oh yes yeah, a bit of a delay she's still going it's still wow, happening he uh, i think is out there fee is out there i'm pretty sure that he's if lunching. um yeah it's still happening the dancing is still going on wow. this is what happened that's good energy yeah 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 it's because she stands up at her desk all day like a crazy he person. does like to stand up i know i'm standing up for the live today i thought it'd be be different Le um, the the lesser painted yeti is there a lesser paint i think is there any other one in i think fee's the only other one with a tattoo yeah yeah secret locations i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not i'm not sure where they are i think she's got one on her ankle but um yeah so yeah you never know might might get one of the might get uh, one of the lassies in to uh, join me yeah, always fun maybe never know evertrekker could also jump on the line you never know yeah maybe we'll force ali to come on she can tell us what it's like to uh, hike That's up to half dome and in yosemite and stuff like that because she's done yosemite i think she walked down from half dome barefooted ali is that right i think she's <laughs> dancing she thinks she's dancing she's got music on <laughs> nice yeah cheers for the messages as well uh coming in uh yeah cheers Ramon. cheers ramona um yeah it's, it's gonna be interesting uh yeah it's gonna be a busy busy weekend and then i'm off to norway for a week um for a little uh, little honeymoon for six seven days so yeah i'll come back with some stories um yeah because we've been looking at running some trips in scandinavia so opportunity to go out there and catch up with them as well as well as uh, have some fun so yeah. yeah uh yeah i hope all is well and you um you know obviously you're in, you're in in great hands with dave and whoever joins the live next week um but right dave yeah any final thoughts on mate, about age i mean it seems like we it's been an age since we talked about age yeah yeah it's one of those remember it's like the early tt uh ttis where we'd, we'd have a subject we go right today we're going to talk about boots right out I know, I know, I know. yeah i think that um you know no there's no strict age limits yeah. um you know I think it all depends on the individual and we're more than happy to talk to anyone to make a dream happen even if that means building someone up slowly because you don't always have to jump straight to ebc if you do have a young child that you want to get into the adventurous lifestyle you know there's like uh tupacal over the weekend get a taste for it you know and then we can build up so yeah um other than that awesome i've got a <laughs> i've got a, i've got a speech to write <laughs> and, and, and Norton joe's knows the score yeah yeah <laughs> exactly mate exactly yeah cheers guys thanks for all the uh the, the the well wishes and things um yeah i'll have a obviously you know it's very important as always to keep hydrated so i'll make sure i'm hydrated over the weekend yeah uh, don't you worry about that but uh, yeah uh definitely thanks for today uh dave's been awesome um yeah enjoy next week and i'll see you guys i'll be back um in a couple of weeks we got a good one we got a good build up to christmas christmas man how does that come here um yeah but have an awesome time and uh, yeah we'll see you in a couple of weeks and dave i know you'll see the guys next week Take it easy. <laughs> Adios, guys. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I yeah. hope you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye.